Hello and welcome to Films and Swearing, the file mouth movie podcast that records straight out of Fife, Scotland. I'm your host Stuart Sullen and join me tonight across the internet is Podcast on Fire Network um, host, head honcho, man in charge, the man with the hawk, Kenny B. Hey folks, hey Scotland, how oh, how is everything and here's your points from the Swedish jury because uh, I, I assume this is the Eurovision we're doing right now. So exactly. Scotland... 10 points. Whatever you do, it's 10 points, obviously. <laughs> there. See, we're all happy. And you guys are listening to patron bonus episode, Okuja. So, Ken, how's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. It's a nice little Friday vibe going on here. I'm not mm-hmm. used to uh, recording on a Friday for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but uh, and guesting on this show is uh, very much a privilege and an honor. You're very super-duper productive uh, show like uh, you're running laps around most uh, podcasts uh, your rate is uh, quite exemplary sir so mm-hmm. well, well thank you because uh, that's the last time i think you guested on our show was maybe a good year or two back when we were doing the likes of i think it's a couple kevin bacon films we done super and death sentence <laughs> does that fit oddly well with tonight's movie mm-hmm. <laughs> bacon so yeah. Definitely. <laughs> uh, for the people at home that have not seen Okja already, what you're hearing now is the music for our spoiler warning. Uh, we just want to take time to tell you folks it's time to hodge your horses. Films and Swearing is a podcast that likes to spoil their films. If you've not seen Okja, go onto Netflix, get watched, and come back to us because we're going into spoiler territory now, boys. Hope you've got your seatbelts on. actually type that just as like a general uh, ramble and then I found it quite amusing that there was actually a seatbelt reference in Okuja. <laughs> quite clever. Over the director, it, all, it all writes itself, you know, life imitates arts. Yes. Um, Okuja is from director Bong Joon-ho. Uh, obviously prior to directing Okuja, his directing... Credits include films such as Barking Dogs Never Bite, Memories of Murder, The Host, Mother, and 2013's The Snowpiercer, starring the likes of Song Kang-ho and Chris Evans. Uh, Ken, in amongst those films there, I imagine all that between me and you, we kind of know a couple of things about Asian cinema. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, mostly, in my, in my case, useless knowledge. I always say that uh, my, my love for Taiwanese cinema is quite great, and I always hone in on the children's cinema of, of uh, Taiwan, which is very uh, immature and has a lot of pee humors. So obviously, I know <laughs> a lot of useless things about Asian cinema, but I am familiar quite, quite, uh, quite, quite well with Bong Joon-ho despite having two free movies left to sample out of his fairly sparse filmography. But uh, there's quality. He doesn't mm-hmm. need to make two movies a year to uh, to rank as a director. Yeah, and that's what I was wondering. Out amongst those films we listed there, what, what ones have you yet to see? I've yet to see uh, Barking Dogs Never Bite and Mother. Uh, they, they just popped up on Netflix, so it's a good uh, opportunity to watch them. And I haven't seen Snowpiercer yet, but okay. uh, not out of disinterest. It's one of those things like I've, if it naturally it. lands in my lap, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a go. So mm-hmm. I'm not anti Bong Joon-ho because the man did Memories of Murder. How can he be anti Bong Joon-ho? It, it, I don't know. It, it, it's amongst 
top five best Korean movies ever, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, across the decades, not just that decade. Yeah. So it, it's a, he, he's a, he comes with expectations, uh, certainly. I well, that's I am the exact same. Uh, Barking Dogs Never Bite was a movie I did start. Uh, I did turn it off, but not out of disinterest. It was more or less something came up. I said, right, I'll get back to this later. Never have. And Mother... 12, yeah, 12 years later or so. Exactly. And uh, Mother has always been one I should have really watched, but I've just not got around to watching it yet. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm quite keen on it. I, I'm one of those people who watched... I mean, The, the Host is a, like his most widely seen movie. Uh, so mm-hmm. certainly Okja would be the most widely distributed movie, considering it's a global rollout on Netflix. But The Definitely. Host was one of those movies that... It's okay, but I, it didn't blow me away. I, I didn't think the mixture between light and dark and uh, and melodramatic clicked this time around. But no, this Bong Joon Ho is not no stranger to mixing like that. If you remember Memories of Murder, mm-hmm. it's a dark film, it's a sad film, also at times a very silly film. Yes, and he he makes no excuses about that. That that that's just how I go about it. And hopefully there's poignancy at the end of a story like that. In the case of Memories of Murder, there's huge poignancy, despite Song Kang-ho's character in the middle of the film saying very silly things and having silly theories about who the murderer is and things like that. So uh, I, he, he he has the right attitude about it. The host was one of those that never really clicked with me in a slam dunk kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's a good film, but I expected, you know, a lot. And mm. I, I, got, I got some... Okay. Uh, for me, the cast of Okaja consists of Tilda Swinton, Giancarlo Esposito, Jake Gyllenhaal, An So Hyun, Byun Hee-bong, Yun Ji-mun, Shirley Henderson, Stephen Yun, Paul Dano, Daniel Herschel, Lily Collins, Park Ji-hoon, and Devin Bostick. As the names behind this film. Uh, Ken, I was going to ask you, off the top of your head, could you give me uh, the plot of Okaja in a nutshell? Well, I need to rely on something written uh, before me because I can't pull things out of my head because uh, plots are a uh, the bane of my existence. But uh, <laughs> anyway, l- l- let's just trust trust IMDb to get it right. So here we go. Meet Mija, a young girl who risks everything to prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend, who is a fascinating animal named Okja. And it's a mixture of a pig... And a hippo, and it's giant as well. And, yes, and I guess uh, the reason it's giant is that this uh, corporation, uh, they are breeding uh, genetically manipulated uh, animals because the world is starving, according to them, which mm-hmm. is sort of a point that they say that's the case. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ken, let's get right into our discussion then. Uh, first bullet point, did you like the film? I did. I did. I think. I think it's a a fun fantasy about a friendship in peril, which is between mm-hmm. the girl and the pig. And but thank God that friendship is supported by excellent special effects. Because if Okja wasn't yes. uh, a convincing effect, then you would have, uh, if it would be um, unconvincing interaction with Okja and the actors, then that movie would have uh, just been sunk. 
so it's it's very classical in that regard. It's a fantasy about a friendship. Uh, and Bong Joon-ho then frames it with social commentary about the cynicism of the food industry, the, the capitalism of the food yes. industry. And, and I mean, we're all reliant on the food industry, well, most of us, but, but it's a big industry and uh, most of us are in with it, so to say. Um, uh, but, but I don't think the movie is making an anti-meat statement necessarily. It's an anti-corporate statement, uh, if anything. Um, but at the same time, so many things in the movie, are, they're larger than life. So I think it, you, it almost comes down to you can choose to analyze the commentary that is there. Or leave it be and just enjoy a fairly packed movie in terms of moods, uh, because mm-hmm. e- either is fine. I think Bong Joon-ho, who have co-wrote the script and it's his story, he means the commentary, but it's such a wild movie. So I'm sure not all viewers are going to think this is suitable as a movie because so much is going on. It's comedy, it's dark, it's it's commentary and it's fantasy. And so I, I, he, he makes those kind of movies anyway, Bong Joon-ho. Um, so I'm, I'm expecting it. And certainly a Hong Kong cinema film fan like uh, like me and certainly us, we, we expect multi-moods. But uh, I, I think it's fun. Where it goes wrong, though, is when it comes to a couple of our over-the-top top performances that are too big for this crazy movie. And uh, mm-hmm. ma- main, uh, main actor being Jake Gyllenhaal, who, who I think yeah, is not acting in this movie. I think he's acting in another movie. Uh, did, did, <laughs> did, this movie has dry wit, and he is in a different cartoon and fantasy. And unfortunately, he's not reeled in, which I think was uh, a bit uh, unfortunate, to be honest. I like Jake, but um, I was taken out of the movie. when You know, I thought his character was going to be this, in the media, this fun uh, play uncle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then when the cameras are off, he's more reeled in. But as a matter of fact, he is his character anyway. And that was a problem for me, unfortunately. Did right. not kill the mood of the movie it's it's a it's a weak link in a pretty good movie i i myself quite enjoyed it i've managed to squeeze in two viewings of the film in preparation for this podcast and yeah it's a wonderful little film i think obviously from the initial trailers that got put out you kind of thought right this could be actually quite interesting and when you see like the relationship between the little girl and her pet pig you think oh the mo- the heartstrings are going to be getting pulled. This could be, they might be trying to get some emotion out of us. And <laughs> like a red flag, red flag emotions for Stuart Sutherland, the heart yes. Scotsman. They're going to make me cry, aren't they? They're going to do things to the pig, and I'm going to cry. And it's going to be in front of my children. Did you cry? As a matter of fact, I didn't. I think I did get choked up, but I'll I'll mention that point towards the end. Fair enough. Um. I'll also comment on what you mentioned about Jake Gyllenhaal. That was one of our uh, first bullet points was uh, what I did for this episode. Obviously, we're looking for just a loose discussion. So I had, say, five or six bullet points, questions prior to watching the film. And then after we watched the film, just kind of compare that to see how close we were. So obviously, I wondered if Jake Gyllenhaal's character was over the top as his well character looked from the still images and... I think from the trailers I saw originally, I never saw him in them. No, I only saw him in one of the poster stills that like uh, showed up on Netflix. To mm-hmm. be honest, as I only knew it as a Tilda Swinton movie, essentially. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, and, and Bong Joon Ho, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So I always thought maybe he was like a character that was being reserved, like some maybe a leader or like a, oh, a surprise actor kind of shows up. Mm-hmm. But I. 
I did know Paul Dano was going to be in it because he talked of the movie when he was interviewed on WTF a while back. He said he was in Korea shooting with Bong Joon-ho's. So I know you, Paul Dano, was okay. in it to, to a degree. Because yeah. as it when that first trailer came out, it did kind of give you a quick shot of like a lot of the television stars that are in this movie as well, like from the likes of Gene uh, Carlo Esposito and Steven Yeun. Uh, but I, I think Jake Gyllenhaal betrayed is he was either possessed by a cartoon cat <laughs> that's probably the best way i could describe him is that is the form of a cartoon cat squeezed into a human being like, yeah he went for a um nah. a high-pitched yep. appearance and i thought that was only going to be in the, his first scene after they climbed that mountain and was i uh, was at high altitude and he was like exactly <laughs> but he talked like that anyway Aye, every because he had a a camera voice when he started filming him. He had this cool calm collected, and then he finished like pan the camera. <laughs> Whoa, I don't know about that. I mean, did you ever find that funny, or was it uh, were you a bit uh, uncomfortable? Hey, I was taken back at first, and it was a little funny, but I think as his character progressed, I I. I was gonna say I forgave him for it. I well maybe not like his choice of acting for that. I it didn't bother me that much, but his character arc kind of made me feel for him towards like the second half of the film, especially when like he's an animal lover at heart, and the things he's having to do to more or less keep his job really like obviously stretches the boundaries for him. Yeah, I mean, that's the sort of deal. That's when the circle becomes complete. When, because he's part of that super fun, happy PR machine that exactly. is set in motion. And you you realize that he, he's become part of that and like trapped in that. But I think there was room to still take that performance down a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Granted, the best gag in the movie comes courtesy of him. Which uh, he, uh, after he's climbed that mountain and uh, he's in Korea and he wants a drink and he opens a refrigerator, refrigerator and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, there, there's no drinks in there, there's smelly shoes in there mm-hmm. instead. And he closes that and it, it's sort of a low key reaction to that rather than, oh my God, it stinks. Uh, it's just like a dry heave going. <gasps> and I thought that was okay. Fucking mountain Dude. people. Exactly. All their smelly shoes. Um, but, but yeah, so it's, and then that, I mean, it's in the bullet points, but so I'm not going to elaborate on it, but the, the, amazingly enough, Tilda's character, she straddles the line better uh, versus mm. Jake, I think. Mm-hmm. Cause that's it. The way I was looking at it, I, I was trying to think from a di- like the director's point of view. Also, this is his second film now, so it might not be what I'm thinking, but I was guessing, like, all our American characters are kind of larger in life mm-hmm. in here. Like, Tilda Swinton is quite uh, charismatic and, or psychopathic. Um, but I was just wondering if this was sort of like Bong Joon-ho's interpretation of, like, Americans. Like, sort of this was him doing them as caricatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not I kind of like just cartoon characters almost. Well, 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 well I think he's uh, th- that's where the sort of 
commentary on PR and, and, and food industry in this case, and, and any industry that has a PR machine behind it and, and a face, an outwards face, an external face that uh, you see on TV and maybe mm-hmm. see on the boxes of that product. So I, I think he's that's what he's commenting on, that, that that's what they do. They put on a smiley, happy surface so no one will criticize them. Yeah, And that's what she represents. Granted, she's headed the company. She seems to make decisions. But as we find out, find out later in the movie, she, her as a decision maker might be thrown to the wayside quite uh, quickly. And um, um, I know it's spoilers, but I won't spoil it anyway for, for now because we, we know there's um, another character in the waiting uh, in case this goes tits up. Yes. And that's it. She's obviously managed by a whole team of people, including... A... Giancarlo Esposito, who I was thinking whether these guys have came in for big shows like Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead, were they going to stretch their legs acting-wise or were they just brought in to more or less play themselves because Giancarlo looked like he was walked right off of the set of Breaking Bad. He, mm. he was always in these suits and... He, he was more intact uh, versus uh, oh, the well, end of Breaking yes. Bad. <laughs> yes, aye. It was Stephen Yoon who impressed me more. I know it shouldn't be a big thing, but just seeing him speak Korean was like, ah, yeah, of course. Like you're, you're of Korean descent anyway, but we're just familiar with you being like, obviously Glenn from The Walking Dead, who's never needed to speak a word of Korean because he's surrounded by Americans. Yeah, and I think that was the movie did quite well in in regards to um, mixing languages naturally. So Bong Joon Ho wasn't brought on to make an American movie. Everybody needs to speak American, and uh, whoever doesn't, uh, we're gonna dub or whatever. But here they make uh, a point of the little girl not knowing English, and someone needs to translate for her, mm-hmm. and they allow time for that to happen, which I, I appreciated. That that made it feel more like a like a Korean director really making this movie rather than them springing a movie onto a Korean director, which certainly has happened uh, mm-hmm. in the case of, you know, The Lost Dan necessarily isn't Kim Ji-Woon's voice all throughout. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger action picture. Yes. You know, so uh, it's, a, it's a different thing. You know, I, I, I kind of appreciate that, that it feels very much like his movie. Snowpiercer, I heard, was a little bit less so, but still it wasn't, he wasn't goon for hire necessarily it still came through as a pretty decent movie from Bong Joon-ho uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly find out soon enough mm-hmm. now since we've brought that up let's talk about our, our Korean cast obviously the the young girl is a, a fresh face for me when it comes to Korean cinema so normally... Yeah, she's been uh, been at it for a few years, but um, but I, I believe this must be a first real firm lead breakthrough. I might be wrong. Paul Quinn isn't here, so he can't school me on this shit. But uh, uh, certainly, she is she is the one that the movie is riding on. Uh, that and the special effects, of course. Exactly, and her grandfather is a a known face. Uh, it wasn't until I was watching the film last night with uh, Margaret. She pointed out, isn't that not the same granddad from the host? And right enough, it is <laughs> the same granddad. Because I think as soon as you look at the face and you put glasses and long hair back on him, you're like, ah, it is. He's obviously just a, like an old farmer now. He's 
well into his seventies now, to be honest. And he he doesn't age. I was gonna say he doesn't age well. He has aged well. Like I couldn't imagine a person at the age of seventy five, maybe other than Clint Eastwood, still kicking the boot in films by choice. Yeah, I think uh, like screw Clint Eastwood. Eli Wallach worked until his late nineties. <laughs> the guy from the Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Speaking right. of Clint Eastwood, so I mean, Clint still has a ways to go before he can rival, in my opinion, Eli Wallach uh, and his working ability and uh, ethic. But uh, but yeah, uh, I, I'm sure that old man is solid, solid character actor that always uh, always brings it and never disappoints, kind of thing. Yeah, because that's that he's. Obviously, being a staple in uh, Bong Joon-ho's directing career because uh, he's, his main three credits come across from uh, Memories of Murder as the sergeant, then the grandfather from the host, and now the grandfather in Okaja. But he's, it looks like he's a consistent actor. He's been in several other films throughout the years. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I find the acting between those two flawless obviously we get to see a lot more of the the young girl and she handles it perfectly she's a feisty kid isn't she i mean she yes. uh she doesn't take uh, uh she doesn't take any crap necessarily mm-hmm. just because the media is there and granted she idolizes jake gyllenhaal's character but still she can sense when something is like being uh, when she's being manipulated and uh, when she's not comfortable she's gonna show that you know she's not uh blinded by this uh, glitz and glamour or anything mm-hmm. uh, and I, I actually wanted to ask you considering this is a fantasy i mean it, it, we, we're dealing with a giant pig here yes. um do, do you think that sort of uh if you recognize the fact that yes he is talking about the food industry the real life food industry but versus this fantasy that includes the girl being awfully good at traveling by herself she runs into windows and manages to break uh, break make those uh, crack and break in the end and escape mm-hmm. with no harm clearly it's a fantasy plus commentary do, do, do you think both belong in the same movie like 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 did you feel that, that like there was some in, insight and critique of the food industry where despite this being a movie about a girl and her friendship with a giant pig um because they are two different things yes, mind you. They, they, they shouldn't be in the same movie logically but mm-hmm. but bong joon ho isn't a isn't a stranger to that sort of thing i i almost feel like it could be like a bait and switch when you look at the film like obviously to be the only real fantasy element in it is the fact that we have this big super pig but towards the final scenes of the film, if we just swap that pig for a cow, mm-hmm. and then it's more or less it's all one subject. It wouldn't be really like a fantasy at that point. It no. would just be horrible and miserable and really put me off. Um, I don't know, eating meat for like a few hours. Yeah, that was my initial point. I don't think it's an anti-meat movie, but rather, rather anti-corporate movie. Mm-hmm. Then again, I don't think Bong Joon-ho is saying that we can change this. He, he realizes yeah. that th- these industries are what they are, and the movie concludes with the fact that, well, we something can be saved, but not everything. And uh, that that that's sort of the lay of the land, I suppose, uh, of of the real world too. Yeah. So um, I, I I I personally believe both are good fits for the movie but i think it's going to be if you're not familiar with these kind of full movies meaning yeah. packed movies then I, I think you're going to be taken taken aback by the fact that that's rather funny that's rather cute though they're adorable together mm-hmm. and 
and then dark stuff at the end. Yes, I. One of the other characters I actually uh, really enjoyed in this, obviously we could talk about the, the ALF group as a whole, but what it surprised me was obviously when Okaja is taken to the city, taken to Seoul, and is getting ready to be transported to America, there's a moment where she gets loaded into the truck. Mm-hmm. And there's also like the the guy, the company spokesperson for them, uh, Mondo, what's his name, I believe? Like he seemed to yeah. be the contact between the Miranda Corporation and uh, Mija and her grandfather. Yeah, yeah, another Korean character. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He was like the middle man. And <laughs> is he no fucking half a fucking loyal employee but when he climbs into the van and he sees like this young van driver and he questions him like are you new here i honestly thought this kid's part of like this this kid's an inside man he's obviously part of this group he's yeah there to steal the pig but no it's just a kid that really doesn't give a fuck about his job <laughs> exactly I, I, I thought that was rather like you they pay that off mm-hmm. in the final scene of the credits. So scroll to the credits, people, because uh, there's another two, three minutes after after we're done. Uh, but I, I thought that was a, an amusing payoff because the, that guy, literally, he makes it part of his dialogue and his uh, demeanor that he doesn't give a fuck about anything. Because ah, you see this in many films. It's like, the only one that comes to my head at the moment is like the Dark Knight when they're trying to transport uh, the Joker and they're climbing to the truck, and the van driver's different, and no one's like, are you new here? And the guy's not answering them. He's like, oh, no. The bad guy's driving the car. Yeah, and, like, it shows you... the Miranda Corporation not being, uh, you know, uh, quality control across the board is um, not uh, consistent, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would have had screen, screen, they would have screened every driver that they they employ. Exactly. Obviously. I would have just thought this was how the ALF managed to infiltrate. They managed to like just more or less steal the van. But mm-hmm. if when they're introduced in the same sequence by, uh, at first like, not it wasn't rose petals that were being dropped from the car, the the driver's window, but just to catch the attention of the drivers. I just love that they have this. We're not terrorists. We're good people. We don't want to hurt you. They really hammered at home, even amidst all the chaos. Not violent. We're not violent. Totally not violent. Uh, not violent. Put on your seatbelt. Seatbelt. <laughs> no, we're friends. Good guys, okay? Seatbelts. Thumbs up. I'm watching you. Like all the yeah, hand gestures. That. And Mondo and the driver are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and they're, they're, they're kind of, I mean, their heart's in the right place and they, they can plan, but they're, they're also way too big believers in their cause including one person who doesn't oh, eat i fucking love that guy because he would he think that eating would leave a carbon footprint on the planet and i can't do that so he's like so he looks thin and he barely has any energy at one point so it really i i think is a little satirical nod to um environmental groups or whatever yes i uh, it's it's okay to have principles but you gotta you gotta think too you, uh, gotta, it, you gotta think what you have it reminds me of that simpsons episode where lisa was trying to become a, a vegan and she meets mm-hmm. another group of vegans and they were talking about the different levels 
And this guy talked about, oh, I'm a, let's say, a level seven vegan, so I don't eat anything that casts a shadow. <laughs> and that just reminded me of that guy that refused a little tomato because of yeah. everything behind it. It's like, oh boy, just, just calm mm. down. But I do, I loved, just, it was a little bit over the top and it was a wee bit poke, I, I, I thought they were sort of poking fun at them, but for a laugh. Yeah, Maybe. but not too broad either. Like, I think Bong Joon-ho here, he's playing the dry wit and sort of the yes. quirky nature of the movie a little bit better. It's not a waka waka type of movie where the characters are too well some characters are too broad for their own, their own good speaking of jake again and also shirley henderson as that uh, mousy assistant i thought was yeah. way too big for the dry wit of the movie i think the performance was onto something but that's one case where someone is off a few notches like uh, we talked of your mixer off air like put them down one or two notches then the frequency and the balance of the performance will be okay Mm -hmm. um i i actually wanted to ask you uh something that came up to me do you think in the movie that there is an actual food shortage or is that just them making up that for the sake of promotion in order to uh, you know craft product you know meat product mm. no i don't i don't feel there is like you're not giving the impression that there's a food shortage no, exactly. I I I 100% agree like, because no one else outside of that company talk of like, oh, we're having the ration food and like we're all really hoping this super pig is like the the well the the cure to our exactly. Our it's issue. not apocalyptic. Well, exactly. we, which I, which I think is a point too that. Uh, they they're, they're just putting on a show man for this uh, it's capitalism it's cynicism it's industry it's uh what they do mm -hmm. i mean they might not have done this big of a campaign before but we're doing it now mm -hmm. and we're gonna make it super fun super fun happy pig super best com competition contest yay you know make it colorful and pink and red and uh, that's sadly how things work in the real world you you can mm -hmm. blind us yeah and I'm, I'm including myself in that you can blind us with the pretty colors of promotion and pr then then, then we're then we're on board, man. So uh, I, I, I certainly think that's the point too. Right. Now, uh, what did you think of? We spoke of him earlier. Uh, Paul Dano, his performance. He always seems to be really great as this calm, collected type. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an interesting actor for sure. I mean, uh, I might have seen him before, but I certainly first remember him from uh, Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson's movie, "There Will Be Blood." He, okay. he he plays the preacher in that one, uh, and he he has that calm demeanor about him. Very interesting actor. Not seen Swiss Army Man. Uh, yes, yet. I yeah. Uh, did you see that? At any, yes, at any point? that was uh, one of my my top films from last year. Sweet, really. I, I think it. I think he's really good. He's one of at least the slightly more level-headed persons of the ALF that certainly is strict. He adheres to the plan. But he he's uh, he isn't as goofy, and his beating heart is a little bit stronger because uh, he uh, he does uh, help out uh, uh, help out the little girl uh, Mija in a way that deviates a little bit from the plan and shows that he has a conscience. Mm -hmm. uh, gr granted, he doesn't deviate from his group by the end of the movie. He's still with the same people essentially, so it's not like the se the, the the end credit sequence where we see them again that his group is renewed and he's got uh, 
uh, brainy people <laughs> with him now. So <laughs> um, I'm sure he's wrapped up in that because he talks of that everything needs to be done according to the rules. You can't deviate from the rules of the ALF. Ah, and when you credo. do, you're out. So exactly. I, I think he has, uh, he, he portrays that very well in a very interesting and calm mannered way, like a leader would. And, but, but he also has his flaws because he's, um, he's um, so sold into that um, creator, as you said. Uh, but always an interesting actor. Um, I, I think, I mean, he's not slated for action parts and romantic leads necessarily. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying he's ugly. He's just, he has a demeanor about him that suits more offbeat roles. And he's going there consciously anyway, as an actor. Exactly. And, yeah. and and I think that's interesting. So uh, my, my ears perk up if a Paul Dano uh, performance is on the horizon. So it surely is watchable enough at the very least. Mm -hmm. What do you think? No, I do. I quite like, I really like the, the roles that I've seen him in. Um, earlier than Swiss Army Man probably would have been him in amongst the ensemble cast of Little Miss Sunshine. Right on, right on. Saw that ages ago. I forgot he was in it, to be honest. Yeah, he uh, was... He, he was part of the family in the band? He was the, the kid on the silent strike. Uh, okay. And it was, he was wanting to be in the Air Force, and they realised he was colourblind halfway through the journey. <laughs> okay. And he has a... This is where he breaks his silence. And I apologise to our listeners. They weren't expecting Little Miss Sunshine spoilers, but... Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> they caught me you, out! You... You've ruined the uh, two thousands uh, run of podcasts in the future for films and swearing, <laughs> where this will be included. Now that is ruined. Mm -hmm. I do quite like that. Like Swiss Army Man was a wonderful little film, and like everything behind it, all the choices. So it really made me like like Paul Dano's now on my radar. So when I see him in films, like I was happy to see him in the trailer for this. Mm -hmm. Like it's like oh this is a perfect person to be in this movie, like to be working with this type of director. Could only good things could come from it. Yeah. Did but, you ever see There Will Be Blood? I did. Uh, when it was original, when it was released on like home video. Right, right, right. Uh, so, yeah, he's so, uh, he's uh, he's so good as that. Uh, he uh, he makes demands towards Daniel Day Lewis's character in terms of building a church and creating a, you know his um, followers and stuff like that and he's uh, you know he's bought into god obviously he's mm -hmm. an intense character when it comes to that but so watchable and right. i think he plays dual roles in that one which mm. is a sneaky little thing by pta i'm trying to that... think is he one of the cunts that get gets battered to death by the end of it no you're, you're spoiling it again but yes yeah, uh, yeah that, that's the thing at the end that, right. uh, in, in the bowling alley mm -hmm. yes that's i don't want to say bowling alley because i thought is there a bowling alley in there yep I know there's uh, I know there's people drinking milkshake, but bowling alley. Does it? <laughs> yep. Does he smash his head in with a bowling pin? Yeah, and it ends with him like finished. Daniel Day Lewis, and then credits. <laughs> so it, it, it's a playful movie too, but uh, mm -hmm. utterly utterly watchable. Uh, both of them. Now let's talk about one of the key moments of the film uh, in the back of the the ALF truck, um, when Stephen Yun's character decides to take liberties with his translating yeah that's certainly a um a i, I in honestly laughed out loud at it like I, the second time knowing what circumstances came from the scene like where they were only gonna put okaja 
back to the hands of Mirando Corporation if they had uh, Mijo's consent. And when she says, I want to take him back to the mountain, and Stephen Yun goes, she accepts the mission. I honestly stifled a laugh. I was like, I reckon if it is, like, that's a dry comedic moment. Well, well, yeah, I think uh, I, I, I thought maybe he was getting the translation wrong, and that was the joke. But, I, but I think I'd lean more towards it being serious that they're so Aye. deep into the project now they got the pig. Yes, and yeah. uh, so, so if she says no, we're really gonna turn back, and they won't know if I translated wrongly. So exactly. let's just go ahead with it. So I, just, I think it's a case of we're, we're too deep, man. Ah, he had like when Stephen Yeun says it, and he has that serious face. Where like he's sort of smiling, like we're going ahead, everything's working out, and the camera pans around, and he's digging his nails into his fingers, mm-hmm. like where like he he I, I don't know what he's doing there, but he's obviously just like like just keep a brave face, keep a brave face, don't let them know you've lied, but there's there's something behind it. Yeah, and certainly, and, uh, like he can like keep his, that hidden. Yes, that that's his conscience, like nipping him. But, but 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 there is a funny beat that when they do when they all find out that and they say you gotta leave now he starts like knocking over shit and like uh, unplugging cords that they've set up in their little communication center mm-hmm. there so it's not a smooth exit out of the scene no. you know <laughs> now one of my other bullet points we had here was is the film under two hours and how does the story flow now when you look on Netflix it it clocks it in at two hours and one minute. Mm-hmm. Which is essentially two hours, uh, so, you know. So, uh, how did you feel the story flowed? Did you feel there was any downtime, or...? No, actually not. I thought it did flow rather well. I, 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 I'm I, an old man, so I get tired quite quickly and take many, many naps during the day. Uh, so sometimes I don't sit through movies in one go, but I think that this was only... It only had uh, coffee and poo breaks, I think. Yeah. At least one poo break. And uh, and then I continued watching the movies. I thought it did flow. And uh, two two hours is good enough. I mean, Korean movies, they, they can be excessively long and sometimes uh, not deservedly so. But I think the two hours, I mean, we, we got a little three-minute code at the end, obviously, as we said, so mm-hmm. uh, and fairly long credits. So we, we're out of the main movie in about 113, 14 minutes anyway. Aye. And uh, long credits and then three minutes at the end, which wasn't a tag I, I disapproved of, uh, not at all. I thought it was um, amusing. And thankfully, well, you could see it as a setup for a sequel. I, but but it isn't. I think it's just one of those things that it goes on. Uh, like just because one pig is safe doesn't mean that uh, the ALF can pack it in now. Exactly. More animals to be liberated. Yeah. What about you in terms of uh, pace and flow? Yeah, and like I. Uh, I mean, uh, you watched it twice for heaven's sake. That that surely is a is a good uh, thing. It is. It's actually. Uh, I was going to say an easy watch, but let's say maybe the first two-thirds of the film is an easy watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, also our next bullet point is asking, is there any heartfelt tender moments? And that all really lies in, I would say, the opening of the film. Like just, yeah, it's, like, it's delightful, isn't it, to see them uh, be friends, mm-hmm. uh, Okja and, uh, and the girl, uh, and escape peril together. Uh, what and, and, and and I mean I mean isn't that 
I didn't see any flaws in the special effects, man. And no, it that, was that, wonderful. That's a major commitment, and you gotta get that right, otherwise you're fucked. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I like I, I was convinced Okja was a character essentially. Like mm-hmm. I was rooting for for her. It's a her, right? Yes. It's yes. Her. And there's one moment in the opening of the film that I felt. It really it took me straight back to my my neighbor Totoro, where they're oh, both sound asleep note, in the you. forest. I have the same note. That's amazing. That image came right to me with mm-hmm. the little girl uh, on top of the breathing Totoro. Exactly. You know? And when it's not right away where she's sleeping on the side, but it's when uh, Okja rolls onto her back and Mija's just lying on her stomach, going up and down. And he's, she's doing the big snores and the camera cuts to a far shot. And it's like, I'm watching like a live action Ghibli movie almost. If they could be that good, then, then mm-hmm. I mean, well, uh, apparently doing live action Ghibli or live action adaptation of material they have covered is not always a good thing. Because yeah. I heard the kick, kick is delivery service live action movie. Not a good one. Aye, aye. Because as far as I'm aware, that's the only attempt that's been made, hasn't it? As far as I know, yeah. But it, mm-hmm. it's actually an adaptation of the novel anyway. Ah, so exactly. It, it, so. It's not original material from, from Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Any shock and violence or twists? Well, I guess the the, the reveal of the Tilda Swinton twin is uh, quite a twist. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's... Whereas Jake Gyllenhaal's character miss that balance in terms of you know, having a wild performance on the screen and, and getting good critical notices from me personally. Like, that didn't really happen. I thought I was taken out of the movie. Despite her twin sister being this massively cartoony version of greed, money, that's what mm. I like. It, it sort of worked for me because, especially because the twist that she can she can be bought easily. Yes. Uh, is just sort of matter of fact because you you've seen it twice so you've seen the beats of that scene where she's mm-hmm. presented with the golden pig she you know uh, tries to chew it to see if it's real gold and then says well this is not verbatim but essentially the beat is okay you're on yeah you can have it so it's not she's that great money that, that's fine as long as i get money 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 and uh, for some reason swinton keeps that balance intact for me i thought that was quite amusing that they were going that far with the twin character. We thought that was a big character already. Mm-hmm. Well, say hello to a twin. Aye. She almost had like a Trump-esque like brutishness to her. Yeah, a bit more clever though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was it. I, we were getting teased earlier when we noticed information had always been getting fed back to her. When Jean uh, Carlo's character, like when they had the first meeting after the meltdown in the tunnel, and I'm trying to think what the the good twins called because the other one's Nancy. Uh, yeah, and uh, the main one is called uh, Lucy. Lucy, so it's, uh, yes. Twi- twi- the, the evil twin, the bad twin is Nancy. Yes. Yes, and when Lucy's having a meltdown in the office, and Jean Carlo's got a mobile phone like an iPhone face down on the desk and you could see from under the desk that it's on the phone to Nancy. Oh yeah, I actually missed that detail, but uh, that that's sort of his character. Uh, he keeps on the ah, sidelines. He's, 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 he's information active. back to his yeah. real boss. Yeah, exactly. 
And when I'd seen it originally, I thought, why is, what's he doing with his phone? Like, is, I was waiting for him to betray her at some point. And it wasn't until the second view and you could actually see the name Nancy as the caller on the phone when she's having her meltdown in the meeting room and she's saying, right, we need to get this girl across. We need to fix our image. She was like, the ideas, but the execution was never right for her. Mm-hmm. Well, well uh, I think it is well done because I didn't really notice those beats until, like the mentions of Nancy, obviously I noticed that, but I, I didn't really register Giancarlo uh, performing those beats in, in the story. And when, when she does come onto the scene again, then that uh, was a neat surprise. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and thankfully the performance was, you know, uh, well balanced in that regard. And I mean, I, I think Tilda as a character sort of, Again, going back to sort of defaming Jake Gyllenhaal here, but uh, I think <laughs> Tilda's <laughs> character sort of nailed it when it comes to his over-the-top act. Uh, when she says, "You know, uh, I wrote down the quote: Could you sit down and stop the fucking squeaking and whining?" <laughs> and that's so. Yeah, but that, that's that's what I'd like Jake Gyllenhaal to do, please. Because mm-hmm, I did love like how he was having that small meltdown and. He was just leaning on the first thing that came to him, and he was just like had a hand on a bald man's head as he was just trying to do his little act. Where he's talking about it was like, "Use need me." Yeah, a character we never really know. I, I I do remember the scene, but you never really find out who that I, uh, middle-aged man is. Exactly, corporate member number four. Exactly, but 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 but, but the in terms of sh- uh, shocking violence, I think there isn't any except when we do get that all too real. Yes. There's still giant pigs, mind you, and there's special effects, but all too real scene of uh, the slaughterhouse, and that that's that's not untrue, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, that that's where it deviates from fantasy, despite us knowing it's a fan- fantasy story, and uh, reminds us of, reminds us of, you know, this goes on, and either you you have something against that or you don't or you have something against that but go with it anyway because that's just unfortunately how things go that's how products are yes. produced it's and, quite uh, a, a sobering moment yes but that's a good way of saying it yeah especially like when they get uh, okaja in to the factory in the first place and what the first thing they wanted to do was have the mate and they bring out like the male super pig who just mm. seems to be I'm not sure if it just it's grotesque from all the tests and that they've done to it or what what injections it's had or it, it just looked like obviously <laughs> Okaja looks like a delicate little flower in comparison to this bulldog yeah. that they're dragging out to mate with her yeah, and it's right. a prime primal thing, meant meant for only one thing, you know. <laughs> you know, you know, fucking and then slicing essentially, being sliced up. Mm-hmm. And you could see how devastated all the like the ALF guys are. They weren't expecting that. They were expecting minor tests. The panic when they're trying to fucking silence the computer and it wasn't working. Yeah, exactly. It was all too real for them, but it's the shocking moment is really when they have that just one guy with the air gun. Yeah. Really, that took me right back to No Country for Old Men. Right. Like, I've, I think I'm... Javier Bardem used a very similar tool on right. people. Yeah, yeah, it certainly takes you back to when you see these uh, sort of 
hidden uh, camera shots from yeah, in slaughterhouses and exactly. stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, again, I, I I eat meat, but I'm not this rabid sort of like meat for life. Like, uh, uh, kind of, but I realize this is going on, and I I, I it's it, it's sad, of course, but it's the way of the world currently, and I'm I'm sure there's changes to be made in terms of all this. I'm not saying groups in real life corresponding to groups like ALF. Uh, that, that it's a fruitless task to um, uh, make sure animals don't uh, uh, face being captive and then uh, being slaughtered. But um, it's uh, we, we're certainly the, the world is spinning currently, and it's hard mm-hmm. to break that cycle. Uh, and it includes uh, the production of meat in this case. Yes. And 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 then again in the movie, the, the movie doesn't say that. Well, we made a difficult choice because. There is food shortage. No, I, 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 as we said, there's no way there's food shortage. It's all it's all a sm- uh, all smoke and mirrors, man. Mm-hmm. Like the moment when the like the random super pig is is killed mm-hmm. in the slaughterhouse. Like this yeah. scene, obviously, this digital creature just become like a lifeless lump. Yeah. You're like, looks, oh, looks fuck, like brilliant though. Looks brilliant. I mm-hmm. heard they had. They had uh, fairly advanced animatronics on sets rather than uh, tennis balls for the actors to uh, look at. But obviously, it's a massive CGI undertaking. If, uh, mm-hmm. And I, I've really been this impressed by when you have characters that are supposed to be so, that they interact so intensely with, that, that they, they, there can't be any sort of dent in that armor. Otherwise, the illusion would go away in an instant. And I think they pulled it off so marvelously well i couldn't mm-hmm. spot any any sort of um seams yeah i definitely and i think this is maybe the the only moment where i would probably let let my children watch this movie up until this point mm, like yeah. this is the go see what your mum's doing fast forward three minutes <laughs> because yeah, you have no problem you have no problem with the swearing i assume <laughs> yeah no that's that's <laughs> That's fine with you me. You sit and watch uh, these people talk, real uh, life talk. I swear at them, they swear at me. Uh, I'm more or less just raising them to become additional co-hosts. <laughs> but... You're breeding. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're breeding pigs, you're breeding podcasters. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> my super podcasters. Um, aye, continue the network, of course. Yes, of course. But... I, haven't thought, uh, I haven't thought that far yet. So. <laughs> so yeah obviously my last bullet point was does Okja get turned into smoked sausage by the end of the film thankfully not thankfully not I mean one one thing was saved and that was uh, a rather uh, I, I spoke to Paul Quinn of Hangul Celluloid and my co-host on What's Korean Cinema the podcast mm-hmm. and I, I said that I, he used the word uplifting in his review, and I think that's very apt. Mm-hmm. That, but by the end, this friendship was intact and saved, and they could continue their mountain life together. And that was uplifting rather than um, touching and emotional. And I think that's emotional frequency that Bong Joon-ho did in terms of that. I think that was very much spot on. It didn't need mm-hmm. to be a melodramatic embrace between a girl and pig towards the end. Uh, it was just nice to see them back in the mountains and uh, dis- away from the world and they-, they can certainly feed themselves 
not buying the Miranda Corporation meat, I suppose. And, uh, and yeah, that was nice, despite the world mm. spinning and, and Nancy and the Miranda Corporation probably going into hyperdrive and overdrive and uh, trying to produce meat like you read about, uh, mm-hmm. in, you know, uh, after the movie's done. Yeah. Now, in the last, like, in the final scenes, obviously, after Mija breaks the deal with Nancy, buys the pig, and when they're leaving, like, whilst it is really a slaughterhouse, it it resembles almost a concentration camp. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough scene because it, it looks gloomy. It is gloomy. It's a rather, it's... rather touching. That that you know that slow walk that mm-hmm. they have to do and and the persons they have to leave behind. That, that's I mean, if anything, that's in in retrospect that that's probably the most heart wrenching uh, mm-hmm. moment uh, uh, after the the way they uh, kill uh, kill the pig just before Okja. Uh, because it, uh, they, they have, uh, I mean, they, 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 they show to have, they're not de- like dead animals mentally. They're like they, they know mm-hmm. they're captive. So Bong Joon-ho pushes that. And it's when two pigs more or less give up their, their young, their piglet. Oh man. To Okja. Like, it is just swap them for people and they're trying to save their child and squeeze them through the fence just so they could escape the fate that they know they've got coming to them. And and again, again, getting that dramatic beat right through computer generated imagery. Mm-hmm. Amazing work, people. I, I heard it was the like the life of Pi special effects people that were behind right. this. And apparently there's that quality as well in terms of oh, yeah, uh, CG animals. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, you couldn't imagine the wave of relief I felt when they cut to that shot and you just seen, like, the piglet was gathered in the mouth of Okaja. Oh, yeah. It was uh, just like, oh, thank fuck. Because I was, I was feeling distraught, like, at the thought of Okaja being killed and then all the other pigs just obviously, they know their fate and the panic of getting that last piglet out and mm. managed to do it before anyone notices because they're on the way to meet the people that were going to send them back to Korea because they've money's paid the way like that golden pig has been their ticket to freedom and the fact that they managed to smuggle one little piglet out with them yeah well just kind of just made it a bit we, easier we, we, to which watch. wouldn't be noticed at all obviously by the corporation but if they knew they would be over them because that's that's money. That's if, you extra. Want to release, if you want to release that, then that's extra gold. <laughs> exactly. So uh, uh, that's a it, it, it's a real real sort of place. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, I I I don't think Bong Joon Ho would have gone that far and made it a complete bleak ending. Uh, it, it, the story didn't warrant that. Uh, so, uh, but but yeah, a relief is uh, is a good word. I mean, uh, his his stories like memories of murder. Their endings are more bleak because that's also based on a true crime case that wasn't resolved. Yeah. So there, there is no, but but it do, it doesn't end super bleak uh, in in like a seven way or anything like that. It's just yeah. that they they it, you know not much changed and a couple of characters were sort of destroyed uh, mentally mm-hmm. <laughs> after all was said and done. So uh, so yeah, I, I relief was a. Was you can see, and to see them frolicking in there, in a, a more natural habitat at the end. Exactly, nice with their little piglet with them, and 
Yeah, and 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 I love that they could drop from like high heights and be all right. The, these super pigs uh, just dr- drop into shallow water and be yeah. fine. They seem to be quite durable. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's that's more or less all the, the big bullet points I had. Now we did talk through the week, and it, I think this is another interesting element to the film is the music. Oh yes, behind it. Now Ken. Also, this has quite a familiar, uh, upbeat sort of brass band rhythm playing over the back of some scenes. Yeah, a little Greek in feel, yes, uh, right. and, and and then it, it has an increasing tempo to it as mm. well, which was sort of amusing. It reminded me of one of Guy Ritchie's movies, probably Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. There's a scene where, uh, where everything comes to a, a big like. Uh, collision and uh, he uses something that starts like this and then goes faster then goes faster then goes faster and then boom yes and to be honest i swear i could hear i've heard that music from something else that that's possibly korean like i'm i feel like i need to skim through the host i feel like there's a moment where they're all <laughs> running to a minivan right and yeah maybe so playing uh, over it but. I did know, I did recognize one uh, piece of music. I had to look it up because it was one of those like, God damn it, that song is familiar. And it's uh, one of my favorite moments in that in- incredibly chaotic uh, chase in the underground mall. Oh, and yes. uh, the ALF uh, fighting off uh, the uh, guards uh, with umbrellas and stuff. And they play uh, Annie's song by mm-hmm. John Denver during that point. Uh, and, uh, you know... If you feel uh, nice, how, how does the fucking song go? I feel yeah, my I, senses. Do, 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 do. Exactly. Aye. And I recognize that. And and it, it's, a, it's like and the scene slows down almost. Yes. Where we get to see the ALF are a, a non violent group because they, they seem to spray like a gas or like a mace. Because it, it, what looks like they're holding a gun to a person's face. And when they fire it, they're just spraying them, and they yes. they open the umbrellas to block the the they look like tranquilizer darts, mm-hmm. and like that was a wonderful shot. Like when they're going to do that, just just the image of the umbrellas opening and the darts pinging off them. And and it's it's so chaotic too. And I I mean kudos to the special effects because the destruction meaning that you have a heavy animal causing that destruction, and a fake a, a non-existent object causing that uh, destruction as they were shooting it i mm. think this is it's a flawless combination of of matters and also very playful because the the alf we, we sort of know that well they're half goofballs in a way exactly. so why not be playful with the music and i mean any song sound but the moment becomes very amusing because of the slow motion as you just said mm-hmm and actually, there's a lovely little moment where it's, I think you could clearly tell it's Paul Dano's character, where he's removing a, like a piece of ceramic, uh, a jagged edge from Okaja's foot. Mm. And they have like an eye to eye moment where he's looking across like everything's calm and Okaja like just looks across and it's sort of like a, a bonding moment where she's letting him pull that out without kicking his head off his shoulders it's classic fairy tale stuff i mean i, I i've even forgotten which fairy tale but the, 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 there is a fairy tale where 
a character removes a, a fawn from oh, the paw like of the a dragon. Or the mouse, possibly. Or lion and the mouse, possibly, yeah. So I think uh, it's channeling those kind of things in this playful fantasy fairy tale kind of aura that the movie yeah. has to. Uh, other than that, that is all of my notes. Ken, do you have anything that you want to get off your chest before we wrap this one up? I don't think so. Other than I think uh, that um, Netflix clearly have put up money and then left Bong Joon-ho mostly alone, it looks like. And that's an encouraging sign. I like this represents a fairly good example of how you how you should allow creators to make uh, a film and uh, especially to make an international film, mm-hmm. which it which it is by all intents and purposes. So it's not a purely Korean film. Uh, even though it isn't perfect, some performances are off. I think it's uh, just nice to see that uh, Bong Joon-ho wasn't brought in to direct someone else's movie, uh, but it's his idea and it's his execution yeah. and uh, based on his vision rather than... Uh, because Netflix never came up as getting you know getting their dirty paws in there and controlling the editing and things like that no they they're they're confident in the artists that they hire we which has led to i think uh, some acclaimed shows actually being canceled quite quick because they're keen on getting new content in a lot of content in and see how much sticks and mm-hmm. now they're starting to cancel content. Granted, this is a movie, so mm-hmm. it's it's there. They, they can't cancel the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, and 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 I can just put forth this uh, uh, this wish that they, they don't uh, lobby for a sequel. I, I think we're good. Uh, Okja is a tale that's uh, wrapped, even though there's an ongoing story clearly, but mm-hmm. uh, it's a story that's wrapped. Yeah, I think it's it's perfect the way it is. Yeah, because uh, similarly they don't. The, the, they were attempting it for years to do a sequel to The Host which I can imagine so yeah, yeah. I think still hasn't came to fruition and is at the point now where it doesn't doesn't need we don't need that anymore now if he, he doesn't come off as a filmmaker looking for commercialism necessarily he gets commercialism you know uh, through his quality of movies and the stars he casts and he's a name too in Korea but um he, I, I've never had the impression that Bong Joon Ho is working that way, uh, mm-hmm. working the money game in this sort of awful, transparent way. Otherwise, s- someone would have found a way to make Memories of Murder Two by this point <laughs> <laughs> and make up shit. But uh, but no. Aye. So, our website obviously is filmsandswearing.com. This will give you links to our Facebook, Instagram, Amazon, and Twitter accounts. Obviously, you can follow us on Twitter at FAS Podcasts, where we'll be notifying you all of every future podcast, polls, uh, review requests, and such. Ken, would you like to share your websites with our audience tonight? Yes, I would very much like that. Thank you very much. Uh, we are, well, Stu created a podcast on fire and the podcast on fire network, and uh, now I am. Uh, mainly uh, heading that as a co-producer and a researcher and all of that. And we can be found at podcastonfire.com. So we've got plenty of shows for you. So if you like Korean cinema, which we've talked about tonight, then we have a show on there called What's Korean Cinema? Which is based on my shitty little joke, like eight years ago or whatever. <laughs> a little, little just, just, I'm making up for it. 
that you know uh, that's what I'm doing by producing shows of, on vintage and newer Korean cinema. And uh, uh, we we have, for instance, you know, a, a Train to Busan episode coming up, but the episode before that contains traveling to some degree. So we try to connect movies in a way. Okay. Um. So, so yeah. So uh, and I, I do some Hong Kong and Taiwanese movie reviews over at SoGoodReviews.com as well. Um. Obviously. Listening to this episode, it is a patron podcast, so you are obviously well aware that if you sign up and pledge one dollar a month, you're given full access to our patron page, where we host exclusive podcasts such as this, as well as audio commentaries, wrestling audio commentaries, extended episodes, which include further discussions, rants, reviews, and the occasional outtakes. All of this is one dollar a month. This goes towards basically keeping the lights on. So if you want to support us, you can sign up uh, quite easily through Facebook or Twitter. Just go to patron, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash F-A-S podcast. They do accept PayPal, which makes the the whole procedure ten times quicker. And yeah, look out for more exclusive podcasts throughout the year. Until then, shout out to Andros for our theme music, Anthrax style. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in and letting us fill your lugs. But it is that time of the night for us to pull out. Ladies and gentlemen, fuck off and tune in next week. Pull out. Ew. If, if Sleazy K was here, he would have approved. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> pull out. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs>